0: Let's talk about Draupadi's marriage. In a society which largely idealizes and practices monogamy, how is it that the main characters of a revered book practiced polygamy? The modern-day term for the type of union between Draupadi and the Pandavas is fraternal polyandry. It is a type of polygamy where a woman is married to two or more men who are brothers. The practice of polyandry is not as uncommon as we would like to think. It was practiced not just in ancient India but also in ancient Greece and Africa. The practice of polyandry in India is not limited to a particular region in India either. It was practiced both in South and North India and in fact it is still practiced in certain regions. We will dig deeper into the stories of why Draupadi was destined to have five husbands and we will also look into the concept of polyandry and its practice in ancient India. Namaste and welcome to the Stories of India Retold podcast. I'm your host Nivi with Stories from India. Before we begin, I would like to ask you to please support the podcast. You can subscribe, leave reviews, share it with friends and family also follow me on instagram for interesting stories from india you will find the links along with information on the references used in the episode description in this episode we will explore the practice of polyandry in ancient india in general and also from the point of view of draupadi's marriage to the five pandava brothers we will also talk about the various stories told to support the decision to marry draupadi to the five brothers These stories are from Draupadi Swayamvara, Vaiwahika, and Arjuna Vanavasa Parvas or episodes of the Mahabharata. Before we dive deeper into these subjects, I think I should encourage you to keep in mind the fact that the texts and literature available to present day readers have undergone a lot of changes in the hands of various authors over hundreds of years. Added to the fact, The idea and practice of marriage and such relationships is not a constant either. They change with time. So we also need to consider that the authors would have had their biases, which would depend on the cultural traditions of the times they lived in. Additionally, we also need to consider the biases we have as readers. In Vedic India, monogamy was definitely preferred. But other forms of relationships were practiced by people of different classes. We know that the practice of polygyny, that is a practice where a man takes more than one wife, existed and was especially popular with the warrior class. But that was not the only form of polygamy that was practiced in the early and later Vedic periods. Polyandry, especially fraternal polyandry, was also practiced. Author Smita Sagal, in her journal article, says that from the various stories and hymns found in the literature of the time, it seems like the practice of polyandry was not absolutely looked down upon, but there is no telling exactly how acceptable the practice could have been. She also points out that it is possible that the practice grew out of necessity because there were not enough women and there was a need for warriors. And so brothers maintained a common wife and the children produced from such a union were raised together by everyone. Whatever the rationale for the start of the practice may have been, the truth remains that these plural relationships happened in a man's world. And so the patriarchy meant that decisions regarding marriage or other types of unions did not rest in the hands of the woman but were made for her by the men in her life just like in draupadi's case arjuna won the swayamvara arranged for her by her father and she had thought that that was who she was going to marry but the decision was made for her that she would be married to all the five brothers author priyadarshini in her journal article points out that ancient literature, whether it be Brahmanical, Buddhist or Jaina, all have stories in them which mentions the presence of cultural practices of monogamy, polyandry, polygyny, group marriage, as well as practices of celibacy, promiscuity, niyoga and others. Often these accounts are used as proofs that these practices existed in societies in those times. Literary figures like Veda Vyasa Krishna Valmiki, Walmiki, Brahaspati, Apastamba and Baudhayana have all made references to a time where women weren't considered as property, nor were they bound by unfair and hypocritical rules regarding their relationships or sexuality. It is also interesting to know that while these authors may have even disapproved of these non monogamous practices, They did not necessarily condemn it. So what changed? Simply put, it is the result of changes in attitudes of the society. The Vedic tribes seemed to be cool with the practice of polyandry, but ideas began to shift as brahmanical ideas and culture took hold of society. Sagal says that somewhere down the line, In the late Vedic or post-Vedic period, the Brahmanized society began to value the concept of virginity in a woman and decided that it was of utmost importance in a woman when a man chose his wife and future mother of his sons, who would continue his line. This moral high ground is possibly why we see reasons and explanations and justifications of Draupadi's polyandrous marriage. There are many contradictory stories and views in the Mahabharata. Accounts in the Mahabharata make it clear that the practice of polyandry existed in Kshatriya and Brahmana societies of the time. Even then, the story goes that in the case of Draupadi's polyandrous marriage, her father Drupada and brother Dristadyumna weren't on board at first and had to be convinced by Yudhisthira and Krishnadvayapayana, who shared stories of virtuous women of the past who had entered similar relationships. Draupadi, on the other hand, the story says, accepted her marriage more readily, like the decision made for her to marry all the five brothers was nothing out of the ordinary. The story also mentions that she was happy. Karna says that having multiple husbands was looked upon favorably by women. So there is a good chance that the negative feelings about Draupadi's marriage and the justification was probably added later on to the story to keep up with the society's changing sensibilities. So what are these stories that were used to make Draupadi and her polyandrous marriage virtuous? Yudhisthira, who was considered most knowledgeable in matters of dharma, was convinced that the fact that his mother ordered him and his brothers to share Draupadi itself made the marriage right, as one must not go against his mother's wishes. Additionally, he referred to the story where a virtuous woman from the past named Jatila, belonging to the illustrious Gautama lineage, had relationships with seven sages. Drupada was still concerned that Draupadi might be committing a sin if she entered a polyandrous marriage. So, Veda Vyasa sought to convince Drupada. Krishna Dvaipayana repeated to Drupada the same story he had told the Pandavas previously. Draupadi was blessed with five husbands in her past life. In her past life, she was the daughter of a great sage. She was sad that she had not met a man she could marry and so she conducted austerities to please Lord Shiva. When Lord Shiva appeared before her and asked what she wanted, she asked him to grant her a husband with all the good qualities. Shiva granted her wish. To her surprise though, he added that he would grant her not one but five husbands. She protested. But Shiva told her that she had repeatedly asked him for a husband. And for that reason, she would be blessed with five husbands. And this would not take place in this life, but in one of her future lives. Dvaipayana also adds that in another incident, Lord Shiva was angered by Indra's arrogance. And so he cursed the present and previous Indras to be born as mortals on earth where they will have to fight and kill many people before they can regain their place as Indra. They were to be born to the same mother by the gods Dharma, Vayu and Indra. Lord Shiva also decreed that Lakshmi would be reborn on earth and she would be their wife. That is how the Pandavas and Draupadi were born and it was their destiny to be married. This was enough to convince Draupadi's family And they gave their blessings for the marriage. Draupadi married the brothers in the order of their age. So she married Yudhisthira. The next day she married Bhima and so on. The story goes that Draupadi miraculously regained her virginity each time she married a brother. In this way, the story makes clear that with this marriage, Draupadi was not committing any sin. But how did a marriage like theirs work? In general, there were no rules regarding polyandrous marriages. But in case of Draupadi and Pandavas, they set some rules to make it work for them. Sometime after their wedding, the great sage Narada paid them a visit. Narada was of the opinion that if they did not have rules amongst themselves about how to navigate their polygamous marriage, then it was likely that negative feelings might develop amongst the brothers. To support his views, Narada told the Pandavas and Draupadi the story of brothers Sunda and Upasunda. The brothers were powerful kings who loved and depended on each other. The brothers earned a boon from the gods that they can only be killed by each other. No outside influence could defeat the brothers. However, all that changed when they met a divinely beautiful Apsara named Tilotama. The both of them fell head over heels in love with Tilotama. They got into a fierce argument about to whom Tilotama belonged. In a fit of anger and jealousy, the brothers dueled with their clubs and ended up killing each other. Listening to the story and to the words of sage Narada, the Pandavas decided upon the following rule. The rule was simple. If when one of the brothers was being intimate with Draupadi, any of the other brothers watched them, then they were to be exiled to the forest for 12 years where they were to live a life of a brahmachari. With this rule in place, the Pandavas avoided any dissension amongst themselves with regards to their common wife Draupadi and they lived a peaceful life together. There is another aspect of the story of Draupadi's marriage that I had heard, I am sure you have too, which is that she lived with one brother for one year and then the next brother for the next year and so on. It is interesting to note that There is no mention of this in the critical edition of the Mahabharata. The Pandavas' marriage with Draupadi was very advantageous to them. You will see how in subsequent stories. While polyandrous marriages weren't unheard of at the time and in fact are still in practice in modern day India, Draupadi's marriage was a little different from the typical polyandry relationship. For one, Polyandry is practiced when the land owned by the family is too small to be divided and so the brothers choose to solve the complication of inheritance and division of property by maintaining one common wife. Whereas in Draupadi's case, it seemed more political. Secondly, the children born in such a relationship are generally considered as common children of all the brothers, But in Pandavas' case, they each had a child with Draupadi and they were identified as such. Also to be considered is the fact that each Pandava brother went on to take other wife or wives with Draupadi remaining as their chief consort. So this is how polyandry worked within the framework of the patriarchal Vedic society. And this is how the marriage of the most important family in the story of the Mahabharata was established. That is all I have for you today. I hope you found it as interesting as I did. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you in the next episode where we will talk about how the Pandavas' marriage to Draupadi helped them to end their life in hiding and how they found their way back to the royal court. Thank you. Dunya Wada.